Hi, I'm Howie Silberger, and this is Political Hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. I am happy to be here with you, and I'm glad that you could join me for this compelling and very important show. Israel's at war. It is not often, in fact, it's hardly ever, that we get to hear and see the true face of evil. It doesn't happen often. But when it does, we have to thank our blessings. And the reason I say that is, there are protests and demonstrations happening around the world, continuously, which are calling for the destruction of Israel, for the murder and genocide of the Jewish people. But aside from that, they're denying Hamas's culpability in the Nazi attack on Jews on October 7th. They're denying that it happened. And the world media, well, of course, the world media just listens to whatever the terrorists say. That's generally the way it works. But the IDF has been doing a much better job these days in, in, in releasing videos and releasing information. And the video I'm about to show you is the true face of evil. The man you're about to see in the video is responsible, is one of the men responsible, for the October 7th massacre. He was captured by the IDF and survived. The IDF didn't kill him. They took him in and they questioned him. Now, the questioning was a very, very, very long process. But they did release a certain element of the uh, questioning uh, on YouTube and on Twitter and on all social media because they wanted to show that the October 7th attack on Jews was not an attack on Zionists, was not an attack to liberate Palestine, was not an attack to fight the colonial oppressors. It was an attack 100% designed to kill Jews. You don't believe me? Then the man will tell you in his own words. If you want to watch it again, it's on YouTube. I'm going to play it off YouTube. You're going to see the, uh, you're going to see the YouTube play things on the bottom of the screen for a couple of seconds. So you know it's coming from YouTube. That's my source. IDF on YouTube. The video is posted there. I'm going to show it to you now. I think it's important that we hear what the motivation was. Straight from the mouth of the people who did it. There are captions, so be sure to read the captions. It's really important. Here we go. We walked by the door, and we heard the sounds of crying children. So we opened fire and kept shooting at the door of the safe room until there was no more noise. The interrogator asked, what does that mean? The terrorist answered, it means they died. I have empathy for people who are being murdered or being killed in a, in a horrific fashion. I have empathy for people who are being oppressed, people who are being attacked for no reason. We, we, we're talking here about a culture of death a culture of murder. We're talking here about a culture 
that raised their children to believe that the Jews and the Zionists were subhuman. They had schools that taught them that. Their textbooks taught them that Jews are subhuman. And if you are a subhuman, as we learned from the Nazis, and by the way, they got all this rhetoric from the Nazis, if you're subhuman, then it is quite simple, easy in fact, to kill you, to hear little children crying through a door, to open fire and kill them. It is quite easy to do that when you don't feel like you're killing humans, when you feel that you're killing subhumans. And this is what this is what they felt. They felt that they were killing subhumans. The Nazis justified it the exact same way. That the Jews weren't human, the Jews were subhuman. Therefore they were expendable. We could kill them. They were expendable. Hamas has stated over and over and over again, even this week, continuously, their goal is the destruction of the state of Israel. Their goal is the murder of every Jew everywhere. A Hamas spokesperson was on TV in, uh, in, 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 in one of the Arab countries. And he says, we are a culture of martyrs. We are a nation of martyrs and we will martyr ourselves until we achieve our goal. And our goal is the complete liberation of Palestine from sea to sea, from the river to the sea. What will happen to the people in living in Israel right now? Asks the moderator. His answer, they will die. We will become the victors. Now, years ago, when the whole discussion of a two-state solution was, uh, was, was happening, former Israeli minister, Abba Ibn, said that the line, that the Gaza Strip, if the Gaza Strip was given away, and then Judea and Samaria were given away, the little strip of Israel that's left, he called it the Auschwitz borders. And he called it the Auschwitz borders because he said there is no way to defend the border. There is no way to be able to, um, to, to, for the Jews, for Israel to survive. The Arabs could just walk in and destroy Israel. He said a two-state solution is not a viable option. And, and it's not. It's not a viable option. It's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating that we are living in a time where the massacre of Jews is still on the table. That genocide of the Jewish people is still a relevant topic. It's still a topic we have to talk about. It's still a topic we have to worry about. You figure one genocide in a generation or in two generations or in three generations is more than enough. But nope, here we are. We're back worrying about being massacred again.
Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, on the other hand, is not so worried about Jews anymore. He paid his lip service to the Jewish community, and now he has moved on to, to this. Went to Canada, who just last week refused to acknowledge the fact that Hamas blew up their own hospital, is now playing both sides of the fence. Shame on Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. Shame on him. Playing both sides of the fence does not win you brownie points on either side of the fence. What Hamas did to Israel, what Hamas did to Israel for the last 17 years, culminating on October 7th, is inexcusable. The fact that Canada has sat quietly and allowed rockets to rain on the heads of civilians, innocent civilians, for 17 years and hasn't said a word about it is reprehensible. The fact that Canada feels right now that they have the right to tell Israel how to react is absolutely ridiculous. Justin Trudeau should go back to to teaching drama. He's definitely not a good politician. It's absolutely reprehensible. The, the government of Canada is really sickening. And how does government stays in power? The fact that they're being propped up by the NDP, who is a virulently anti-Israel party, is sickening. And and uh, I know I noticed the Canadian political system. There's not much we could do about it. But really, we can't do better than a Justin Trudeau. Can't do better. Can't do better than than this. It's it's really, really sad. The um, the group Twisted Sister was founded by a guy named D. Snyder. And a little while back, uh, in the eighties, um, Twisted Sister released a song called "We're Not Going to Take It." It was a massive hit. Now TMZ, the uh, the news site TMZ asked D. Snyder if he was okay with the IDF using the band's 1984 track. And Snyder answered, You know what? Israelis, the assault on the Israelis, people are losing sight of something. People are saying, Oh, the response is going to be too intense for what happened. Well, you don't get to decide on the response when you do heinous things to civilians. You don't get to say, Oh, that's enough. That's enough retaliation. He continued, No, it doesn't work like that. When you cross that line, you're burning people, you're slaughtering people, you're raping people, you're just killing people after what happened at that festival. You don't get to say, okay, your revenge can be this much. No. Payback is a, and he used, a, he used an explicit there. And I come from that school. You cross the line, you know, stuff's going to happen. He added that he likes when the military and teachers use the song. I'm blessed that I get to live my dream because we had people who volunteered to protect our country, protect their countries. And when I hear that they're using my song, the song they've allowed me to write because they defended our freedom, I say louder and prouder. Sing it out, boys. When asked to clarify if he's okay with the IDF using We're Not Gonna Take It as a battle cry, Snyder answered, oh, hell yeah. Snyder also explained that the song and its purpose 
to be used as a battle cry. I wrote a song 40 years ago that I had no idea was going to become a folk song for the ages, but it was by design, and I wrote it so anybody could put their situation onto it. So I never stopped people from using it because that's censorship, and I fought against censorship in the 80s. It's designed for people to use it as their battle cry, and I've got him on the left using it, I've got him on the right using it, I've got sporting events using it, i got little kids using it, so it's beautiful. He continued, but when somebody stands for something I don't stand for, it reflects on me like, say, QAnon. I'll speak out and say, I don't try to stop them from using it. I just say I denounce the use of the song. And people, like, have the blessing of the songwriters. So if you're using my song, stand for something. Stand for something good. Stand for something right. Don't stand for lies and BS because we're not going, because we've got too much of that going on right now. Now, Dee Snyder, who wrote the song, you know, he's absolutely right. The world has no right, nobody has a right, to tell Israel how to respond to the carnage that was created by Hamas, to the Nazi genocidal attack that Hamas committed on October 7th. Nobody has the right to tell Israel that this is enough retaliation, stop. Nobody has the right to tell Israel, be proportionate. What is proportionate to beheading 40 babies? What's proportionate for murdering and raping young ladies and men at a music festival? What is the proportionate response to burning families alive, to taking babies, putting them into the family oven, piping the oven up to 500 degrees, and forcing the parents to sit and watch their baby bake to death. What's the proportionate response to that? The more and more details that have come out about what happened on October 7th, the more and more we learn about it, the more and more we hear about it, the more and more we read about it. I want to know what the proportional response is. Everyone's saying this response is definitely way out of proportion. What would be proportional? I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, it's not even a rhetorical question because everyone's insisting that Israel be a uh, you know, proportionate, proportionate response. I don't know what a proportionate response to, to these travesties are. I, I don't know what. I, I, I don't know. It's like telling me, look, the Nazis killed six million people. They tortured, raped, murdered, burned them alive, gassed them. What's the proportional response to that? Great question. I have no idea. I just know sitting around and doing nothing is not the proportional response. I know that the IDF ignoring it and allowing Hamas to continue to operate is not the proportional response. It's not a response that's acceptable. To me, the only response is to crush them, to destroy them, to kill them. A Hamas political leader named Ghazi Hamas appeared on a talk show today, earlier today. What was his message? We'll repeat October 7th attacks over and over again until Israel's annihilated. He said October 7th, October 17th, October 27th, October a million and seventh. We will continue going until Israel is annihilated. I remember years ago, there was um, 
It was a segment on 60 Minutes. And I don't know if you can find that segment today anymore. There was a segment on 60 Minutes hosted by Mike Wallace at the time. And Mike Wallace was interviewing Ayatollah Khomeini from Iran. And he said to Ayatollah, you're messing with Israel, you're messing with the United States. Both of these countries have nuclear bombs. Both these countries could destroy Iran in in a matter of minutes. Aren't you afraid for your people? Don't you care about your people and the lives of your people? The Ayatollah looked at Mike Wallace, a Jewish journalist, and said to him, no, as long as there's one man and one woman, my people will survive. But right now, we have to do the will of Allah. That's what he answered. And then he called for the destruction of the United States and of Israel and of all Western powers. I'm not delusional. I I don't live in a bubble. I don't live under a rock. I understand clearly, very clearly, that the battle today is not a battle for good versus evil. The battle today is not a battle of land It's not a land battle. The battle today is not a battle of you took my thing and I want it back and I'll take your thing. The battle today, and if you look at the rallies around the world and hear the chants, listen to what they're saying and believe what they're saying. The battle today is for Jewish survival. Not Israeli survival, not Zionist survival, because nobody is fighting the Zionists or the Israelis. Nobody at any of these rallies is calling for the death to the Zionists. Every single one of the rallies around the world, every single one of them, without exception, is calling for the death of the Jews. This is a battle for Jewish survival. This is a battle that we must win. It's a battle that that we can't stop, we can't give up. And whoever doesn't like it, whoever wants to hold Israel, the victim, accountable for being a victim, for defending itself, for standing up for itself. That's amazing. It, It always amazes me. Everyone says, those poor Jews, always oppressed. Oh, those poor Jews, look at them. Maybe they should do something to protect themselves. Maybe they should do something to protect their country. And then when the Jews pick up arms, the first time the Jews pick up arms to protect themselves, protect their country, it's like you fascist colonialists. How dare you? Jews can't win. Doesn't matter what we do, we can't win. And there's been many, many quotes posted, many, many quotes bantied uh, around. So I'm not going to give you another one. But I will echo 
some of the better ones. Nachem Begin. I'm not a Jew with trembling knees. I'm not going to stand down. Golda Meir. I'd rather be a living Jew with a bad image than a pity dead Jew. Years ago, during World War II, Adolf Hitler had designated an entire area of Berlin. He was going to build a Jewish museum. His goal was, after the murder of all Jews, after the, after the annihilation of all Jews and the ethnic cleansing of Jews from all over the world, the genocide of the Jewish people, he's going to build a museum to show his victory, to show that he was the one who got rid of the Jews, Jews who had been around for, for, for millenniums. He was the one who was destroyed the Jews. And that was his plan, to build a museum. And he was collecting all this stuff he stole from Jews, Jews that he sent to concentration camps, Jews that he murdered, all the stuff he was collecting to put into this museum. He never got to build a museum because the Jews won. Jews will win now. We have a strong army. We have a strong country. We're going to win. We're going to defeat Hamas. We're going to defeat the Jew haters around the world. And countries that call themselves democracies, countries that have freedom of speech, God bless you. I love freedom of speech. I love democracy. But when people are standing in the street and calling for the genocide of another people, then that's when speech has gone too far. These people should be arrested. They're not citizens of whatever country they're in. They should be deported. We should not allow, in our democratic countries, people who are calling for the annihilation of other people. This is not acceptable. We should not allow it. We should stand firmly and demand that the governments of all democratic countries that allow this kind of speak, that they should, they should expel these people from their countries. If we want to achieve the final goal of peace, the Nazis, the Jew haters, the people who are exposing violence and destruction, the people who are glorifying death over life, the people who are encouraging other people to go out and kill themselves for some political or fascist goal. These people should be arrested and should be executed in a public square. Now, if you think that's a little harsh, I don't think killing terrorists, killing Nazis is a harsh thing. And I think it should be done immediately. People who show up to rallies supporting Hamas, supporting the murder and the butchering of Jews and babies, people should be arrested immediately. They're a dangerous society. I would feel a lot safer as a human being, forget about it as a Jew, I'd feel a lot safer as a human being knowing that people who support the massacre of babies, people who support the, the, the beheading of toddlers and innocent men, women, and children, 
are not living amongst the people around me. I'd feel a lot safer. I'd feel a lot better knowing that the people around me love life and don't glorify death. That would make me feel a lot better than I feel today. It's time for Jews to stop having to to live in fear. There's no more fear. Fear is so 20th century. Today we've got to be strong, resilient, stand up to the Jew haters, fight them at their level. Let's stop trying to be better people. Let's start trying to protect ourselves, protect our lives, protect our families, protect our friends, protect our cousins, protect our people, protect our country. That's what we got to do. Time for babying around and this stupid political correctness and worrying about what anybody else thinks is over. And as much as I do not like Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister, I applaud him. I applaud him for standing up for Israel. I applaud him for, for, for saying, we're going to continue this mission until we're done, regardless of what anyone else thinks. That's the way Jews should be right across North America. Time for fear is over. Whoever doesn't like it, well, maybe, just maybe, Jewish justice should come their way. Howie Silberger, thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next time.